electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber coming to you from different locations as we practice social distancing here at CNBC. Final day of Q1 and futures in a pretty stable range overnight, although they've lost some ground this morning. A lot to watch. Uh, China PMI back in expansion. Uh, the Fed launches a new dollar repo operation. We'll get auto sales today. Uh, but, Jim, it uh, sounds like your focus this morning does remain uh, on testing, having uh, talked to Abbott last night. Right. Look, I, I think that, that Miles White and now the new COB and today, Robert Ford, recognize, as they did during the AIDS epidemic, that when you find out who has it, it everything changes. Uh, in this country, we can find out who has it, and they're also doing a serological test, which is uh, find out from uh, what blood can be taken from people who have had it. Then suddenly we get a, maybe a new world. Maybe a lot more people have had it and we didn't know. Uh, maybe we can find who has got it and they can be quarantined. You know, already the carpers, there's so many carpers. I hear people saying, well, listen, it's only going to be med techs in hospitals. Well, Miles and Robert have told me, absolutely, listen, we're, this is going to devolve into a pregnancy test at home. Now, how quickly? I don't know. Periodically, you find companies that really know what the heck they're doing. Abbott Labs is one of them. Not all companies are created equal. And if Miles White gives us his word, that we're going to be finding that there's going to be a lot more tests in this country, then Dr. Gottlieb is going, you have to say, you know what, I've seen some science that is working in favor of the good guys. Uh, it was certainly unexpected. It's great. I also felt that Meg's uh, work with Alex Gorski made me feel that next year we might be able to go to March Madness or maybe a football game without feeling like that we're putting our lives at risk. So yesterday were some positive developments. Uh, the numbers obviously are still so terrible, but positive developments cannot be yeah. overlooked. We're going to get to some of the forecasts for Q2, but let's give viewers a chance who might have missed it last night. This is Miles White of Abbott with Jim on Mad Money. We've launched two tests in the last couple of weeks. There's still more, and there's a need for more. We have a, a collection of technologies and formats. We've got multiple R&D teams at work. Uh, there are more tests coming. There are serology tests, um, uh, antibody tests, we're, uh, we're looking at automated versions of that and what we call a lateral flow version that's more like a pregnancy test. It's a, it's a test that doesn't require instrumentation. Yeah, see. All right, Jim. So that's sort of uh, is that's on the horizon. And in the near term, we are beginning to see some evidence that mitigation efforts work in Italy uh, with the percentage growth at a one week low. Uh, even some Bay Area doctors now saying they're not seeing the explosion of cases that they had feared about a month ago. Right. And we're seeing uh, uh, sub rose attempts to get all the PPE to the to the hospitals. You know, I look at this, Carl, and I think that that we keep hearing it's an unseen, unknowing foe. We have to change that narrative. It's seen. We know who it is and we're going to get it. And I think that if we're going to continue to act as if it's ethereal and it can get us at any moment, it will. But if we start believing in some of the science that we're getting 
and we start understanding that there is help on the way, not the 24-hour test that doesn't seem to appear, not the 10 days before you get the test. We've seen all that, not the clusters, because people are getting smarter. But when we listen to a guy like Miles White, I mean, you know, these are not idle people. Dr. Fauci is not an idle person. These people have been there. They've experienced what it's like to have, as Dr. Fauci say, every single patient die for about a decade. So my faith is in these people, and my faith in COVID is I see you, COVID. I see you, COVID, and we're going to get you. And if you don't start thinking like that, then we're going to lose the war. And if we're going to hate or like the president or try to figure out who the heck knows what we're doing, take, take heart. Take heart in Alex Gorski. Take heart in Miles White and Robert Ford. These people are the best we have in this country. And I think that they're all being treated as people who are profiteers or don't know what they're doing. They will defeat this if we believe in them. I don't want to sound a, a note of uh, pessimism, Jim, and, and I don't mean it that way, but perhaps realism. We need that kind of testing you're talking about if we're ever going to hope to get behavior back to anything like it once was. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of the conversations that I do with business leaders trying to understand what the world will be like when we're sort of not even on the other side of this, but let's call it in the summer or after the summer, we hope. Right. Are people uh, really but, going to be willing to assemble? Uh, are they willing to go to conferences? Will they be getting in the middle seat of an airplane? Will they be going to, to your point, uh, uh, sports uh, tournaments and things of that nature? So many concerts, you, you name it. Will they even want to show up together just in the office? Um, if you don't have that testing, if you don't have that ability to know very quickly who has it and who doesn't, it's very hard to imagine a world that returns to what it once was until we have a vaccine. Right. But again, I, I, I know the communists are a totalitarian dictatorship. and We never want to be them. But you're getting a PMI number last night. And let's say the Chinese are lying their damn fool heads off, which would certainly be a complete, <laughs> uh, you know, a, in keeping with everything else they've done. Well, maybe the PMI is 45, not 52. But the people are working. I count the number of cups that are, that are drunk at Starbucks. I think that makes sense. I, I, I take a look at at what I'm seeing from Yum China. Again, I discount everything from the Chinese. And I discount them because, well, I discount them because I think they've been rapacious capitalists against us and don't deserve anything other than, than the opprobrium, except for the fact that they got the gosh darn PPE. And they got us. They got us because they make masks. They got us because they make gowns, because we forsook that part of the economy. We gave that up in 1990 when we decided to take 900,000 seamstresses and turn them into people who were hapless because we moved everything offshore. I agree with David. Look, I'm David. I'm worried. I'm trying to get people involved in government to say what happens on uh, April 2nd when you don't pay your mortgage. Right. Uh, what happens to these gigantic mortgage edifices that we've created? You know, this is another one. We know it's not going to be as convoluted as what we saw in 2007 to 2009 because we're not as stupid as we were then and we're not as reckless. But I don't know what happens in the chain of mortgage command. And I got to feel the government doesn't either. But all I'm trying to say is, is that when you put a face on covid by saying we've got you, we know what whether you've beaten us in five minutes or not, then you have a cohort of people, young people who are not just jackasses giving it to their parents and grandparents, but actually able to go out. It's a start. It's without uh, a doubt. A start. It's a, and it's a necessary start if we're going to imagine that things are going to get back. It's, right. I, listen, I, I don't talk to many people anymore who expect some sort of V-shaped recovery, though, guys. No, you know, it's no, going that's to be just, a slow return. Talk. And by the way, I mean, the market is telling us one thing, perhaps, that's more optimistic. <laughs> but when I have conversations, Jim, I don't know. I mean, most 
executives I'm talking to are preparing for a brick wall. They're focused on their liquidity and what they need to do. And they don't really know what's on the other side of this. And that's making them nervous, too. I'll tell you what's on the other side of this. It's Costco and it's Walmart. Maybe Target, David. It's Amazon. That's a, oh, they, that's that's all of retail. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and, that, and, and well, Kroger. I mean, the supermarket chain. Kroger, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bad. Like I, I now look at a company and say, show me the balance sheet. Show me the balance sheet. You know, we've got Carnival Cruise, and they cut the dividend, and they're raising. They're trying to raise some capital. The markets have been open to raising capital for a lot of companies that you and I both know you would not lend capital to unless you had made an agreement where you were trying to make a little money off a revolver and suddenly come back to haunt you. I, I don't by any means want to present myself as an optimist about business. Because I don't see anything good, and you've got the you got a small business loan that you can apply to. The 1099 people are completely confused. Next week, you will get unemployment. I'm just saying uh, that forget the financial world. I think there's a chance that that what I regard in the cent- in Central Park of New York looks a lot like when you pull back in that Battle of Atlanta scene and gone with the wind, and that's a tragedy. And maybe we can put an end to what looks like to me. Uh, a moment where the South lost the Civil War and you can see what happened, because I think that that's a sign that we lost the war against COVID. But there's a, just a battle. And the, the, the next level is going to be won by scientists at Regeneron or maybe Gilead or maybe Abbott Labs or J&J. Uh, somebody who comes up with an antiviral. We got to get people off the ventilators out of the hospitals and then we can figure out the mortgages. That's a key point, Jim. I mean, uh, we saw the Chinese build that hospital um, yeah. in January. What was it? January, early February. And um, and now it's our turn. And it shouldn't come as a surprise. And we can talk about the lack of uh, preparation or planning uh, maybe another time. Exactly. Let's get uh, to Courtney exactly. Reagan. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Hey, there's plenty of time to investigate what happened to USS Indianapolis and why all those why all those sailors died. I mean, that's the way I look at it. That was some big mistake by the Navy. Plenty of time. We can have a board of inquiry. You and I can serve on it. Let's win first. That's how I feel. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned uh, some of the debt offering that's been going on and obviously the furloughs that we got from the likes of uh, Macy's and now The Gap. For more on that, we're going to get to our Courtney Reagan this morning. Hey, Court. Hi, good morning to Carl. We actually have some new news and protocols out of Walmart this morning in order to help keep their associates safe. So what Walmart has decided is that they're going to start doing temperature checks for their associates. First, they're going to start at the fulfillment centers and the distribution centers. Then they're going to move to the hot spots, the areas of the country where we've seen this outbreak be the most intense. They're also asking their associates to take their temperatures at home and following this six 2100 rule. So the six feet social distance, distancing, the 20 second hand washing, and the temperature of a 100 means you need to stay home. Of course, they've expanded their protocols for what that means for sick leave and paid time off in order to keep both their associates and the public safer. They're installing plexiglass, plexiglass shields on the cashier stations. They're looking at doing one way aisles, in fact, for customers so that customers can maintain that six feet distances while shopping to make that flow a little bit easier. As far as actually limiting the number of people in the stores, they say, look, it's a delicate balance because we want to make sure that individuals are able to get the food and the essentials 
that they need. We've already reduced our hours in order to have more appropriate and more thorough cleaning, but we also need to make sure that people get what they need. So we're going to have to follow this on an hour by hour, case by case basis. And one store in one location for Walmart might look very different than the protocols being taken in another store because of this. They're also looking to procure a lot of masks and gloves for their associates, but say that they're stressing that this is going to be voluntary, that if an associate would feel more comfortable serving customers while wearing a mask and gloves, they're trying to make them available. Not the N95 masks, those are reserved for the healthcare workers, but they're trying to get enough masks. Walmart, of course, says, look, though, if we had enough masks, uh, we would need 7 million every week. So we have to be a little careful of that supply chain too. Back over to you guys. Hey, Court, really quick, how does it contrast with the measures that Amazon's taking in the wake of some of their employees, obviously, feeling nervous about going to work and in some cases walking out? Yeah, that's a good point, Carl. We've seen some walkouts, strikeouts, sickouts, whatever you want to call them, with both Amazon at the Fulfillment Center in Staten Island, as well as some Whole Foods locations that Amazon owns. We've seen some um, upset workers from Instacart also saying they're not getting the right protective material. So it does seem that Walmart is taking this a little bit of a step further. But again, they're not requiring these protective masks and gloves, but they are offering it should the associates want it. And it does seem that some of these workers for some of these other organizations that are trying to get food and essentials to Americans are asking for similar protections. All right, Courtney Reagan, we'll talk to you in a little while. Thanks, Court. Uh, Really fascinating information. Uh, The way shopping in this country is going to change uh, probably forever. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. Time for a mad dash. We kind of throw it a long way here. Uh, Jim, over to you. Uh, What do we got for a mad dash? You know, David, we've got this incredible uh, confluence of events that's going on in one company, which is going to be on Thursday, which is McCormick, the spice company. People are staying at home and they are cooking. And that's fantastic for McCormick. But McCormick also has a food service business. Well, that's bad for McCormick. McCormick had a very tough quarter in China because it was shut down. But now China's open for business, so maybe China comes back. All in all, what it comes out is that people are going to sell the story, and I think that that's probably a mistake because I think that this cooking at home, it could be bigger than we think, and then McCormick will adjust when it comes to the what I regard as being the uh, food service that is such a good business. But it is just show you how fraught when you look at a company that, David, is supposed to be a recession proof stock. A lot of companies have done a lot of different things that made it so they're no longer just one kind of thing in this diversification into uh, going into food service. Well, it's an Achilles heel. And so we have to recognize not everything is just as it looks. Got it. Uh, All right, let's get a quick commercial break in here. We've got an opening bell, of course, about 13 minutes away. Squawk on the Street is coming right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. (laughs) 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Let's get to Meg Terrell this morning for an update on the coronavirus. Hey, Meg. Hey, Carl. Well, some bright spots to tell you about this morning. Signs across the country that these social distancing measures are having an impact. First, in Seattle, the public health department there putting out two reports yesterday, um, essentially saying that anonymized mobility data shows that there was a reduction in movement in that area in early March. A second report uh, from the Institute for Disease Modeling, which did both of these, uh, showed that the transmission rate of the virus um, has now dropped. So that is a positive sign. In San Francisco, reports that some hospitals are seeing a leveling off in cases uh, from Kaiser and UCSF, uh, and that cases there may be slowing. Also, a company called Kinsa, which tracks uh, fevers across the United States using uh, digital thermometers, shows that they are declining nationally. I think we've got a map here. Um, the lighter areas uh, are where you're seeing less of a decline. The darker areas are an even greater increase uh, in decreasing levels of fever across the country. And public health experts saying this can be a leading indicator of potential cases of COVID-19. Around here in New York, Governor Cuomo citing a slowing in the rate of ICU admissions. Now, they are still going up and we're still in a bad place here. Uh, But he's saying as of yesterday, that doubling is happening every six days from previously every two. Uh, Now, Scott Gottlieb saying he thinks that New York may be potentially approaching a peak in new cases uh, that he expects to see uh, late next week uh, or in the next 10 days. Uh, So we're still in a tough place, but approaching that. But he does say states like Florida and Texas are in bad spots, and those are going to start really accelerating. You can kind of see that here in this data, showing the trajectories after the first 100 cases. Gottlieb on Squawk this morning, though, saying the Texas data probably not even picking up um, the level of concern in that state right now that this is accelerating. So, guys, wanted to point out some bright spots. What we're doing is working, but we need to stick with it, public health experts say. Back over to you. Yeah, that's a lot about endurance for sure, Meg. Uh, thank you very much. We're going to put uh, Q1 to bed today, final day of the quarter. Plenty of news regarding uh, Ford. We're going to get auto sales, Zoom, Domino's Pizza, oil, of course. We'll get to all of it when we come back after a break. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street on this Tuesday morning. Uh, Jim, uh, as we watch the futures here, I'm looking at a chart this morning out of Evercore for food sales for the week ending March 22, ConAgra, growth year on year. Absolutely stunning pantry loading numbers. I absolutely love this quarter. Uh, They are on uh, tonight. Why do I love it? 
because people are back in the center aisle. They understand, those of us who have to go to the supermarket, that there's things that you want to have. You want to have uh, frozen meals are up terrifically in terms of their share, doing just terrific. Uh, hot cocoa, meat sacks, seeds, pumpkin seeds, people like that. Microwave popcorn, that's fun. And then I know David is going to be excited about this. Yeah. David. We got Chef Boyardee uh, retail sales yeah. off the yeah. charts. Oh, yeah. I'm one of them, without a doubt. Right? I mean, before this, David, you were, this is social distancing at the par excellence. Yes. Before this, I'm sure that you were probably, you probably like pasta, but I don't know where you got I, your pasta. I had moved on, uh, but I reintroduced it to our diet. Right. Uh, my children now are getting familiar with what sustained me through my <laughs> 20s. We've got those cans sitting now. Mm-hmm. They actually were out of the beef ravioli. Well, the sales out. growth is incredible. David, you know, you're, you're so short-sighted. You said you're something you with your children. The great thing about Chef Boyardee, David, it's yeah. your children's children <laughs> and your children's children's <laughs> children. David, this is like, I mean, literally, we're Chef gonna, Boyardee, we're talking about 2090. This stuff is aging right. with pleasure. I have saved for you. All this right. can of Chef Boyardee. So Chef Boyardee started with your life and pass it on to your Hunt's children. Hunt's tomato. We used Just to like, Hunt's tomato. Here's a piece was... of land. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the numbers are really hey, good. Jim. What? What? Yeah. The numbers are good. Know, I'm, I'll be... I'd be curious to see what ConAgra says. It sort of brings us to Domino's, which pulls guidance today. And as they say, Jim... They got all these different factors at play. Shelter in place. You got pantry loading. You got school closures. You got no live sports. And with all of that, they're like, uh, the impact is just impossible to quantify right now. Yeah, I mean, and I think Credit Suisse has a very good piece about outperformance, lowering the estimates. But uh, and th- th- I've had this as one of the part of the stay at home economy. Uh, the stay at home economy is, is in is in flux like you wouldn't believe. I mean. Plus, you got millennials who change their mind, what, every uh, 42 seconds, like Domino's, but not Domino's. Maybe we have popcorn. Maybe we go Chef Boyardee. Their unpredictability is just fascinating to me. But uh, Domino's was on a roll. Uh, Domino's right now, a little bit of a setback. But when we talk about what happens in the new world when everything's done, how many of the pizza places can afford their rent and their electricity and their insurance, the mom and pops versus Domino's, which is a machine? And I think one of the things we're going to have to deal with is, is that there are going to be fewer players. They may not even be the players you want. I happen to like the tomato pie you can get without cheese. David, you should put the yellow banana peppers on. You'll love them. Um, but it, yeah. yeah, Domino's is an outfit they've you call, they bring it i know well i'm hoping that as you point out that a lot of the mom and pops are able to survive the sba loans are starting to get into place by the way as part of of course what, the, did you try to the, apply to one the, the relief efforts i haven't jim but Who i have heard from it? others now you have to have a relationship perhaps with an existing bank because a lot of it's coming through the banks themselves right but the sba program is moving forward as secretary mnuchin promised it would that's significant. That's important. Well, I got the email. You got to keep your employees, though, right, in order to have the yeah, interest rate that. or have the loan forgiven. I should. I say. just cut a check for the for the next three weeks. Is I have to admit that was a painful check. I mean, it really yeah. is interesting to pay people to not work. I mean, that's something I, in Europe yeah. the government does. Here we do. Well, right. But and in Europe, they're making the payments directly to people. Yeah. In Europe, here, you, make, you get a raise from the government yeah. here. We got to figure out whether we have enough money to pay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I am very fortunate enough. I don't want people to say, oh, my God, what a jerk. Fortunate enough to be able to have the means to pay the payroll. Yeah. But when people start looking at it, they, I'm sure there are people who just say, you know what, I'm going to close. I don't want to pay the rent for nothing and the electric for nothing. And it well, is interesting. suboptimal. 
Yeah, on that front, Jim and David, uh, KFC today says they're going to grant franchisees uh, 60 days a grace period on certain or on current royalties. Right. But we'll start to see that a lot in the quick service for yes. those who have a yep. model that's uh, structured like that. You know, also, guys, I mean, on on that same subject, Yum did raise 600 million bucks uh, in the in the uh, in the high yield market. In the junk market, Jim. I mean, there are companies that are figuring out a way to get what they need. Fox, by the way, filing a uh, shelf registration this morning, conceivably will be coming to market. Viacom last week. The credit markets, importantly, are providing liquidity here, right. it would seem. Yeah, I mean, they did pay. Yum paid. What did they pay? Seven and seven and a, uh, seven and three quarter percent yield for uh, 2025 vintage huh? uh, bonds. That's a, seven and three quarters. Yeah. Maybe we. That's according, that that's according to Reuters. That's according to Reuters. Yeah, that's hideous. Yeah, it's ugly. Holy cow! I know Restoration RH looking for some money. Uh, what I loved about there's a Nicole Miller Reagan. I've always liked. She comes out and has a piece today about Chipotle, saying that first of all they understand food board illness, but secondly, more important, David Piper, they they, they have a great balance sheet. We're in good shape with them. <laughs> There's the opening bell, guys. On this Tuesday morning, final opening bell of Q1. And as you know by now, the Dow is on track for its worst Q1 ever. Not the worst quarter, but definitely uh, the worst Q1. Uh, Jim, uh, McConnell's on the tape this morning, uh, speaking of uh, of aid, uh, asked about stimulus uh, 4.0, says we'll need to wait and see if a uh, a fourth bill is needed. Uh, Pelosi did say, though, it would potentially focus on recovery. As we've been saying last couple days, mortgage markets... Uh, state governments, oversight budgets, things like that. Well, it's time to do a $500 billion bond offering. That's not facetious. The Treasury needs approval from Congress. But I think a lot of people would buy a war bond. This is not a liberty bond that got everybody sick when they did yeah. a parade and filled up. But how actually, about a $500 billion actually, one? Yeah. McConnell said that pandemic-related Treasury bonds are a, quote, interesting idea, right. according think, to a right. radio interview but, this morning. Well, this is one where I think the Treasury Secretary go uh, convene with the president and get this done quickly. Uh, there's no harm in uh, in trying. I think people really need a 30 year bond. By the way, David was saying something about the SBA. Yeah. I just got the federal the application for the federal loan for the restaurant from Chase. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it is happening in record time. So I, I would press the bet if I were Treasury and say, you know what? Who wants to buy a f- part of a five hundred billion dollar war bond against covid? I mean, I would absolutely love it. I mean, plus, not making much on the other. I feel good about it. Um, but, you, you know, it's important, I think, for a lot of these small businesses, Jim, you have relationships already with your bank. Yeah, I got it. And that's how it's, that's got, how it's you're coming. Right. How and, you know, know? you wonder, do the, does the nail salon, does the pizza place, does on and on, of course, with so many of these small businesses, do they have those same relationships? No, the answer is no. get access to it. By the way, if you're a restaurant, how do you guarantee you're going to keep your people on? During this period, you know, that becomes difficult, too, doesn't it, Jim? Well, but I mean, you don't know. Everybody's so thrilled to have a job. I mean, yeah. you're paying them when they're not right. working. But my point is, you don't know where your staffing world. levels are going to be on the other side of this, do you? Or it, I guess the idea is you just do it. Well, the, also, I mean, I, you know, just as a, a I do have some uh, competitive instinct. I figure if we open this uh, on our block, people are going to say, you know what? Those guys were patriots. Yeah. It may turn, you know, it may turn out to be a. A word that you'll be thinking about. Who who bit the bullet? I'm biting the bullet on both my joints. I'm betting that when it comes out on the other side, we're good for it. But you're absolutely right, David. But that, I it is a bet, Jim. I got the right? loan for the I mean, private banker. You're right. I mean, I got yeah, the papers it, I, filled it, out. It is a gamble. Uh, my, 
My brother's a sm small business owner with his wife, and they're having to essentially make the gamble it's that gamble. the loan will come through in the end and, and in the meantime uh, provide certainty for their workers. It is a gamble, and I think that when, I, I, I don't like gambling. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm taking the gamble. But that's because if I get hurt, Carl, I'm so fortunate. Most of the people, if they take the gamble and it doesn't work, oh, my, terrible. Um, guys, I did want to talk about sort of activity or the lack thereof when it comes to, of course, companies buying other companies. We're seeing a lot of different things here. Um, let's start with Sprint and T-Mobile. That deal expected to close tomorrow. Uh, they are going to fund $23 billion in loans. The banks, of course, you can imagine they're not particularly happy about having to do it, but obviously they're going to be there to do it. Right. And this deal is going to, uh, going to close not quite two years uh, since they announced it having gone through so many different uh, or around and above and beyond hurdles, let's call them. Um, but they're getting there. Uh, we'll see what the future holds for that combination. SoftBank, of course, may actually choose to sell some of its sprint shares more quickly than had been anticipated. Uh, but we're keeping an eye on both of those and what the landscape will look like as they get closer. Although California PUC, still trying to figure that out. But they're pulling down on the loans. The plan is to close. Um, uh, on other fronts, though, you've got Exalta. This is a company I was watching for quite some time. Didn't look like they really were ever going to get to a deal that many had rumored. Might have been a very large uh, go-private transaction. Kind of meandered around. And then it actually came to life recently. PPG and Clayton Dubelier, from a lot of people familiar with the situation, were really close to getting something done there. And then, of course, the impact of the virus hits. This morning, Exalta says, in the best interests of shareholders, at this time, they've determined in light of the dislocation in global markets caused by the pandemic, the board is unanimously determined to conclude its review of strategic alternatives. What is interesting there is, again, as I said, that despite what appeared to be a lack of a potential deal, they actually were getting very close, I'm told, until this hit. And then, guys, you've got deals that are existing where other buyers are going to try and get out. Borg Warner is a sign of that. Delphi, remember, they're getting bought by Borg Warner. The company drew down $500 million in a revolving credit facility um, to what they said best position it to weather the current market conditions. And Borg Warner said, hey, you materially breached the, uh, the agreement we have uh, because you drew down your revolving credit facility without our prior written consent. Delphi, of course, saying we disagree with that. That's what's going on in M&A. Some deals closing, banks have to fund, other deals not happening that were potentially close, and deals that are in place, people trying to get out of them if they can figure out a way, Jim. Exalta, really good company when it came to paint for, uh, for autos. Borg Warner, great auto company. Autos are so bad, David. I mean, when you think yeah. about what's stopped Although, in the economy. I mean, Jim, I don't know if you heard Bob Lutz this morning on Squawk. Uh, I mean, I know maybe it's just a function of his experience. Uh, he talked about how auto companies were closed during World War II for four years. But his point was that auto parts, the secondary market continues to work. Uh, there's still 70 percent of the of the dealer market that is operating. I mean, it's bad, he says, but uh, I would say he was net constructive. I don't know. Well, that's positive. I just I, I just don't think you want to do one of those orders, uh, one of those uh, uh, mergers. But if, if you really are more positive than you buy Magna, 
uh, because they've got a lot of things going for them, uh, and, and, it's, and it's the net winner in the group. I don't know. I mean, I've been able to if, – if you've avoided everything auto, and Bob Lutz, obviously, he knows auto better than anyone, but, but if you've avoided anything auto, uh, it's all relative. There's many other industries that are better to be uh, allied with, even housing, although yeah. housing's begin to deteriorate a little because of low interest rates. Housing has a chance. It's just that, I mean, the problem with auto is, is that you, you see, you get G, Mary Barra, Barra. What does she have? How many, how many ventilators does she got? How many ventilators does Ford have? Look at that Ford. Don't, don't, don't look at the Ford common Ooh, stock. That's yeah. not fair. You got to go to an ophthalmologist right after it. Uh, it you know, they're going to make. Yeah. Go ahead, Carl. Sorry. They're going to make 50,000 ventilators over the next 100 days. 50,000. All right. Let's uh, count. And then 30,000 a month as needed. And, of course, that's in conjunction, uh, guys, with uh, GE's healthcare care unit. GE. How are they doing? David, how's GE doing? Well, I mean, there's definitely some challenges one right. would expect, right? Um, I think they're doing okay. Yeah, aircraft, I mean, but they're I, – listen, I'd love to hear from Mr. Culp. It, it's, when, when did we sit down with him? It's not that long ago, Jim, and yet the world has changed dramatically. The world dramatically. changed dramatically. I, I like what they're doing. I do think that, uh, that Boeing – a lot of good things behind the scenes happened with Boeing, but it had a big move. Uh, airlines were hearing about the Treasury Secretary getting involved buying stakes, yeah. maybe offering stakes. But remember, there's this a lot of these things we seem to forget about. Like one of the things that you need when you have airplanes is uh, a passengers. Yeah. Did you see the numbers, guys, from from yesterday? One hundred and fifty four thousand total passengers, courtesy of Phil and Megan Reader versus two point three six million uh, for the same day a year ago. You know, my daughter was going to there was a last flight out of Madrid a couple of days ago. She teaches English there. And it was like, uh, okay, who wants to go get sick but get to America? Right? Yeah. I mean, how about someone coughs on you? You can have N95s. You can have a space suit. It doesn't matter. Someone coughs on you in the plane. Then I think you're suddenly like, bad, you know, you're on a carnival cruise plane. Can't, cancel. Uh, stops the dividend there, David. That buyback. Um, meanwhile, all the airlines are up right now. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, great, great. Yeah, that's sustainable. You're, I guess you're not uh, you're not a believer. At well, look, Mnuchin gives them all low. You know, they yeah. take if they take equity, they're fine. I keep coming back to this notion of demand. Who has demand? Costco has demand. Walmart has demand. But, you know, you've got to get on a plane and you got you, David, early on in the show, you said, look, Jim, are you going to want to go to a game? Are we going to want right. to go? And do you want to go? I, I flew back from Grenada with a woman who had a cold. And I just said to my wife, you know what? I'm going to be sick as a dog for the next seven days. And I was sick as the dog, but it was eight days. I mean, I just think that we do not want to get really close. Where Do no. you ever look at a map of where all the cruises are and all the yep. play, and all the boats and the, the, the fraud and the cruise are on them? Uh, this is another one of those untold stories uh, of when well, we look back, we'll say, you know what? There were these things with 4,000 people on them and the air circulated badly, but the companies were really good and it was an inexpensive vacation. Jim, what about malls? What about getting back to retail? Uh, malls. You know, are, when are people going to be willing to do that? Right now, obviously, on my commute, and everybody's setting personal records, by right. the way, on the time of their commutes, uh, which I guess is one yeah. benefit. But uh, uh, passing empty malls, obviously, because they're closed right. right now. When they reopen, I mean, Simon Property Group, God, he waited all that time to buy something. He finally decided to buy Taubman. He must be hitting, him, hitting himself every day. Well, I don't know. You know, $33 billion in, uh, in, di- in distributions he's had. But, uh, David, it's now, it, you, it, it's now spelled like my Philadelphia accent. It's a M-A-U-L. <laughs> It's a, yeah, they've been mauled. Uh, been there mauled. it is, as Simon Property, of course. But 
you know, what what are people's willingness to go and and shop again going to be? Uh, 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 not to mention, of course, are what retailers are going to be in a position to actually pay their rent? Right. And how is that forbearance going to work for the mall owners and operators, Jim? I don't know. I, I there was a hole in my sweat sock this morning when I worked out and I got back and I. Looked at Amazon. I bought six pair or something. I know it'll be there tomorrow. I'll leave the box out three days because of COVID. You, know, you just kind of have it out there baking. And then, um, and then I'll take it in. And I, instead of going to a store, I just bought socks. And they were cheaper. And I'm a, member of, a proud member of Prime. And the only problem is, is that, you know, the three-day rule. It's kind of like the five-second rule. Yeah. We're all dealing with that. Yeah. Carl? Guys, uh, Dow's down 127. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. Happy Tuesday. Uh, so we're looking uh, the quarter's ending. We're looking at the second worst quarter ever, at least if uh, that happens uh, the same numbers as yesterday. Dow, uh, the S&P is down 18 percent uh, for the quarter. And a lot of people uh, very eager to get out of the quarter. There's a lot of hopes for pension rebalancing. This is notoriously difficult to get your hands around, but I've seen some enormous numbers, $139 billion. And when you see uh, how some of these treasuries have done this year compared to everything else, uh, it's not a surprise. People think there's going to be some significant numbers moving around. Early on, a couple things up. Energy's up uh, and the transports are up. David mentioned it because the airlines are up today. Tech is down, but not as much as the rest of the market. Banks still down today, and they really did not participate in uh, in yesterday's rally. That was a little disconcerting. A lot of the regional banks were actually down on the day. Even J.P. Morgan eked out only a very uh, small gain. Guidance, we're used to companies withdrawing guidance, but some odd ones today. The guys mentioned Domino's. That's a little odd withdrawing their guidance. But McCormick, too, MKC, talking about the uncertainties due to the coronavirus outbreak here. That's a spice company. A little odd. No surprise, Restoration Hardware, RH, they withdrew their guidance. But then Conagra said their guidance was going to be better than expected. So a little bit of good news there. And then the some things never change category, British tobacco, not seeing any major impact on their business due to coronavirus, not seeing any major impact at all from British tobacco there. Uh, so we're in the final day of the quarter, as I mentioned before. Uh, you want to just see the market internals change. Things calmed down a little bit yesterday, a little better today. So we had the lightest volume on the NYSE since March 5th yesterday. The VIX was the lowest since March 11th. The intraday swings were like 4.5%. That's ridiculously big still, but it's better than 6 7 8% we saw uh, in the last few weeks. Today, uh, about a 60-point swing in the S&P from high to low so far. That's better than 100. So quieting down a little bit here. The quarter to date here, down 18%. And here's you have the hopes for the rebalancing. When the S&P is down 18% and long-dated treasuries are up 22%, that's called rebalancing, folks. And that's why people are hopeful that might help out a little bit here. If you look at the corporates, they're basically flat. A lot of buying in LQD because the Fed's going to be buying corporate uh, treasury ETFs. High yield, uh, as you see there, down about 11%. The global markets, Generally down in the high teens. So the U.S. and Japan down 18 percent. China never dropped as much, interestingly, as everybody else. They're only down 10 percent. Europe uh, a lot worse. Of course, Italy has been the epicenter of the problems there. They're down about 25 percent. It's been a lousy three months. You do not see this very often. Three months in a row, the first three months all down. January, February, March. Now, that March number will change a little bit, but you get the point. It doesn't happen. Uh, And in fact, since the modern S&P came in in 1957, there's only been five times that's actually happened where the first three months of the year are all down. The last time that happened was in 2008, another year we'd rather forget about. Uh, and of those five years, four of the five ended down 
uh, the S&P ended down about 12 percent. And thanks to my friends over at DataTrek who do all of this number crunching for us. It's uh, very helpful. So uh, you can see four of the five years down about 12 percent. So what happens next? So there seems to be two camps that are floating around uh, out there. Uh, as for down April, well, that's only happened twice. In 73 and 74, we've had January, February, March, and April down. So there's two camps right now trying to battle out about April. One is the shallow pullback rally camp. So you get a shallow pullback in the next few weeks and then rally uh, on hopes that the total numbers are going to peak. Then you get the other camp that say, we're going to test the lows and we're going to go down. If you're wondering what those lows are, uh, February 23rd was 2191 on the S&P 500. So two different camps here. Rally back from the in the middle of the week uh, month and then test the low camp in uh, at the end of April. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thank you very much. We're uh, looking forward to Chicago PMI and some confidence numbers at the top of the hour. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Your timing's impeccable, Carl. 47.8. 47.8 is our Chicago uh, Purchasing Manager uh, Survey, PMI. That is a March read. Of course, that follows sequentially 49.0. Uh, it should not be unexpected that we are getting these numbers as we continue to see the effects of coronavirus, of course, on manufacturing domestically, globally. Let's Take a look at what's going on in the world and realize when it comes to the Treasury markets that everything outside of a two-year note yield is basically at historic all-time forever low yields. Two-year goes back to May of 2017. I'd like to stick with a, a year to date of five-year. Why did I pick fives? Because I heard David talking about Yum Brands, you know, seven and three quarters on their five-year. Uh, well, the reason, it's 37 basis points. So it was about 737 over. You added up seven and three quarters. Remember, we started this year at 169. Basically, the first print of all the fixed income treasury sovereigns were the high yields of the year. So 169 for fives. Look at a year uh, to date of 10-year, settled at 192. Of course, we continue to deteriorate there as well. 54 is our all-time low yield close. We're getting ever so close, not instilling a lot of confidence. Boons, they settled last year at minus 18. So, of course, after one quarter, we continue to see that the boon in particular has narrowed the difference between 10-year rates and the European rate. But we continue to see that the U.S. seems to be getting ahead, especially on the coronavirus, as many in the ECB zone uh, commonwealth there have not been able to necessarily amass some of the attacks like the central banks uh, here have. As a matter of fact, to that end, the new Fed repo facility that started 8.30 Eastern, you could immediately see the effects on the dollar index on this chart as the dollar index came down a bit, making it easier to procure dollars overseas by creating these facilities onshore over there for the economies that need the dollars and those repo lines the most. Finally, let's look at a month to date of the dollar index. It is unbelievable that in the month of March, we're down below 95, which we haven't seen since September 2018. We zoomed up almost to 103, which we haven't seen since January of 2017. And here we sit making another stab at 100, which is rare enough, and turned down a bit, of course, as if Fed announcement hit at 8.30 Eastern. David, back to you. Okay, Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli. Carl, I know you uh, had something you wanted to ask uh, Jim about as we uh, oh, yeah. get into trading no. here with the S&P down about 1%. Yeah, guys. Uh, Jim, I wonder, you know, we've talked so much this week about rebalancing and end of quarter, end of month, uh, forced selling. Uh, and I wonder if for those investors who have tried not to check in on their 401k accounts, once they start getting notices in the mail, how does that change sentiment? <laughs> 
Uh, I, it's, it's almost always been negative. It's almost always people say, you know what, I knew that darned asset class wasn't worth t- uh, touching. I knew I shouldn't have put faith in it. I, I knew it was dysfunctional. So I'm going to take my money out and put it in a CD. When they do that, of course, they get very little return. Uh, because of the uh, notion of index funds and how we've all been brainwashed and thinking that there's, there's nothing but index funds out there, it isn't like someone's going to say, you know what, this is my chance. I saw that David Ricks on Squawk. He seemed to squawk on the street. He seemed to know what he's doing. I'm going to buy some of that. Or uh, they're going to take a look at Cigna and say, wow, that Mr. Cordani did a good job. They don't do that. They just say, oh, I'm getting killed in my index fund, which, of course, has every single bad stock in it along with the good stocks. So what I'm going to do is just go buy uh, – uh, whatever doesn't give me a return. And that's been the process. And it's been uh, it's how the asset class it's been debased over and over and over again, which is how you have so few people in equities. Uh, the idea that you can pick an equity, pick a stock and, and have a good yield is something that's very quaint. And I think it's a shame because it's the way you can really make money now. Jim, we haven't talked about oil prices. When you talk about yield, I immediately think of, for example, Chevron, something along right. those lines, though. Now, you said and boy, you were right. This sector was uninvestable. Now, right. you said that as a result of, of course, something we used to talk about all the time back in the good old days, ESG. And what was right. the growing pressure on so many different allocators of assets not to allocate to fossil fuel companies. Right. But given the move in oil and given Chevron's current dividend yield of 7 percent, does it remain uninvestable? Yeah. But look, I mean, the numbers you're seeing in the board are just not. You know, well, let's just say they're. Uh, out of touch. Uh, West Texas uh, Midland price is $10 a barrel uh, as of this morning. Uh, you're, you're talking about NYMEX, $20 a barrel. Permian, again, uh, West Texas is 10 bucks. You should uh, explain to people what that means, Jim. Oh, well, you know, you look on the screen. We could put up those prices. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude. There it is. Uh, there, that, that's for May, and that's fine. But if you're actually in the Permian trying to get your oil to a market that could be at that 20 you're getting $10 for it, which is why Scott Sheffield, when he talked to to uh, Brian Sullivan in pretty much of a seminal interview. And he was also on Bloomberg this morning. He's talking about that maybe 10 companies make it. Uh, 64 don't. Uh, no consolidation because of the debt. So if you're buying one of those stocks today, remember that unless the government, uh, you know, like if President Trump calls President Putin and they make a deal, even if they do that, there's still, again, no demand. It's a demand problem. Keep coming back to the idea we think our policymakers can do something. They can't create demand. Oil's still in the ground, but the prices you're seeing, what matters is, is that West Texas Midland is $10 a barrel. That's the, that's the actual price for our, UT, for our oil companies, and nobody makes money there. Nobody. So we can look at those big posted numbers and you can buy these stocks all you want. But in the end, David, Occidental. Yeah. It's not the old Occidental that was the most conservative company. No. Uh, No. We have discussed that many times. Yeah. Uh, They took a a huge risk and it hasn't worked out. Well, David, sometimes you just get had. Sometimes you do. You know, there's Mike Worth bidding against her, right? Mike Worth bidding against Holland. Well, Jim. Whoa. Jim, what do, we, what do we make of the headlines regarding uh, Trump and Putin and the agreement to have talks at a ministerial stage? No date set, obviously. And by the way, B of A with a note out today, again, reiterating this point that uh, the impact of oil on CapEx and employment will be huge and the consumer offset will not be huge exactly. in this case. And I know the president is, I remember interviewing him in 2009, he was saying, look, what's important is we bust OPEC. Well, you've got this OPEC plus thing going on. And yeah, Russia actually needs prices higher. They may have overdone it. They've shot themselves in the foot. 
uh, you can have a blip up in oil. But then again, where are we going to put our oil? There's no place to store it. And, and driving is down gigantically. So uh, we always have to think of the demand side. I mean, look, I've been thinking about the demand side when it comes to, uh, to buildings. There's so many people that are working at home. I think some companies are sitting there saying, you know what? Maybe we don't need a big building anymore. So, I mean, when we come out on the other side, I think we're going to be surprised about how few people actually do go back to work. We love it. We love the companionship. I know I love it. But we're not going to need the space that we used to. And we certainly aren't going to drive as much as we used to. Um, so the impact on office space, uh, big, uh, yeah. gasoline consumption, I big. mean, you name it. Yep. How that's... about the furlough of Macy's yesterday? What does that mean? I'm, I mean, my father worked for Gimbel's and was wiped out by Macy's. I, I, I bear no, um, you know, it's mal- malice toward all. Oh, yeah, toward none. Sorry, I got that Lincoln thing wrong. Um, behaviors are going to change. And yes, they are. for David. a long period and of time. And you're no shopping? Yeah. You won. I won, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I guess, in many ways. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break right here. PayPal CEO Dan Schulman is going to join us in just a few minutes. And hear what he has to say. Well, stay with us. How happy will you be to put Q1 to bed? Take a look at the S&P quarter-to-date losers. Apache, Norwegian, Noble, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, all down 75% plus. When we come back after the break, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman on the company's measures to help small businesses that have been impacted by the coronavirus. Stay with us. All right, let's get stopped trading with Jim. You know, I, I too often I mention Costco as a winner. Uh, I often talk about Walmart as a winner, maybe Target. But Wells Fargo is say, saying Dollar General is a winner. They're talking about that as a big beneficiary of government spending. The checks go to you, and then they go to Dollar General. And that does work. And I underestimate DG so often. It is doing quite well, certainly doing better than its uh, compadre Dollar Tree. So maybe we put that in the pantheon of survivors on the other side, too. All right, Jim. Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting. You've got some, I'll tell you what, coming off of the heels of uh, the Abbott interview uh, and now Dollar General, you're really hitting on all cylinders this week. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I, I have to tell you this ConAgra, uh, this, this wholesale change in how we shop at the supermarket is really incredible. Because we want it. We want it. In the, we hated the pantry. We wanted it fresh. Now, if it's fresh, we want to know how many people touched it. But when it's in a can, we figure, holy cow, we're the only one that touches it. Do, yeah, that's what do, we want. Do you remember? Do you remember the complaints we had about old line Campbell's soup and Nelson Peltz and the uh, viability of legacy uh, consumer packaged goods? Unbelievable. Give Just me turn a that can. whole world upside down. I've been doing that thing. You know, you turn it and you turn it, you turn it, and then you open it. And there it is. And no one's touched it. There's no COVID-19. It's something you, that was canned five years ago. How about frozen food? By the way, Jim food? Cowan said Whoa. And, and Cowan on spirits today. Cowan spirit sales up 25% for the most recent four week period. Uh, all spirits were up, but bourbon, tequila, gin oh. were the relative outperformers. Well, that's because, jeez, um, gin during the. How do you like that? It used to be a post Memorial Day drink. Isn't that incredible? I've got to get that bar open again. Yeah, Let's amazing. get the test going. I can crush it with mezcal. Tequila, we're going to raise the price. That's the one thing we're going to do. We're going to gouge. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric 
ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.